Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Revolt Black News, presented by State Farm. Tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. Beef over. Kanye and Drake share the stage in solidarity to free Larry Hoover. This was the idea of my father. His idea was always about togetherness. But does the benefit concert help or hinder the one-time gangster-turned-humanitarian's cause? We've uh, had a couple of court rulings that are favorable for Mr. Hoover. Then, with the holidays around the corner, we explore food disparities and the food chain. Plus... And I just hope he hires me one day. Huh? He returns the favor. Why Denzel is pitching Michael B. Jordan for a gig as they celebrate their Big Apple movie premiere. It's a holiday film. It's about love, relationship, sacrifice. No and as 2021 draws to a close, we revisit some of the global stories that are still on our radar, as we also look back at Revolt's big headlines of the year. The duties of the office upon which I am about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. All that and more as the Black News Revolution starts right now. Welcome to the final show of 2021. I'm your guest host, Naima Abdullahi, filling in for Ebony K. Williams in this episode of Revolt Black News Weekly. Last week, two influential hip-hop heavyweights, Kanye and Drake, came together and performed a free Larry Hoover benefit concert at the LA Memorial Coliseum. But despite the event's name, critics have asked who, in fact, the prison reform concert literally benefited, with reps from Kanye's team clarifying the speculation circulating online. So did it help the social justice cause or did the two iconic artists actually harm Larry Hoover's chances of ever being free? That is the question we're asking in tonight's top story. It cannot always be night. Kanye and Drake back together after a decade-long feud, dropping private addresses and subliminals on tracks, which at some point brought Travis Scott in the middle after a Drake collab with Sneak Disses was released. Oh yeah, I put everybody on a group text. The event, which continues to stream on Amazon Plus, served as a two-hour-long benefit concert to bring attention to former Gangster Disciples leader Larry Hoover, who was convicted in 1997 of running the gang from his Illinois state prison cell. Already incarcerated and convicted for ordering a 1973 murder, Hoover now serves six life sentences in a federal supermax prison. They told me when I graduate eighth grade, he'll be home. Then they told me when I graduate from high school, he'll be home. I went away to Morris Brown, I graduated, and he still ain't home. Kanye fans remember Hoover's son, Larry Hoover Jr., featured on Kanye's recent album Donda and the song called Jesus Lord, reflecting on his father's incarceration. 
Both him and Drake have taken shots at each other, and it's time to put it to rest. And while many saw the initial invitation from Kanye to Drake with Rap-A-Lot Records CEO Jay Prince as the broker, Hoover Jr. told Drea O how his father was the mastermind behind the Olive Branch. This was the idea of my father, seeing that it was connections to Drake and Kanye, and that they were such iconic figures, and with them going through things, like, his, his idea was always about togetherness. Even though the concert was intended to bring attention to the notorious case, Larry Hoover Jr. says his father expressed some concerns. He doesn't know how it may affect him. He, he's concerned that it may affect him negatively. Now we've uh, had a couple of court rulings that are favorable for Mr. Hoover. We were with Larry Hoover's attorney, Justin Moore, at the Revolt Summit in Atlanta last month, and Moore was focused on the possibility of the 71-year-old's freedom after 48 years. And it's looking like there's a good possibility of him getting out. But as many outlets pointed out from the Benefit concert, Kanye and Drake omitted Larry Hoover's name entirely from the night. So was it at the request of the Hoover family, or was the omission because the vision for the concert took a turn? I need you to run right back, And if the concert did take a turn, how off-road did it go? And what about all the free Hoover merchandise seen and sold as well? Sources originally told GQ that while portions of ticket sales will go to criminal justice reform groups, merch sales will not be donated to charity. But a representative for Kanye says differently. So what was the intention behind the free Larry Hoover benefit concert? Are Kanye and Drake pushing a social justice cause they attempted to help but substantially harmed? What was the plan all along? And with that, we bring in our panel. Joining us is Larry Hoover's attorney, Justin Moore, and journalist and author of Trap History, A.R. Shaw. Welcome to the show. Justin, let's start with you. Um, we'd love to know exactly what Mr. Hoover thought of the benefit concert. Have you spoken to him since the concert? And is it true what was said about the concern that he expressed to his son? Yes. Uh, first of all, thank you for allowing us the ability to uh, talk on your platform about my client, Larry Hoover. We all know his plight by now, and I think it's important that we coalesce around this brother and ensure that torture is not used on uh, citizens who are convicted of drug crimes in this country. So I'm glad we're able to shed light on that. Now, to your question, I have not been able to speak with Larry Hoover since the concert. What is your take on this movement behind his name, behind his uh, brand, and behind the efforts to release him from prison? Well, you know, I think community organizing is an important element to any type of public interest case, and this very much so is a public interest case. We're talking about drug crimes being overpunished, and we're also talking about elderly being in prison and being tortured for those drug crimes. So these are two issues. 
A.R. Shah, let's bring you into this conversation as a historian. How did you interpret the fact that um, that the two artists did not mention Hoover by name during the show, even though they were wearing merchandise with his name on it? So they did the show in L.A., which was kind of odd to me because Larry Hoover's base is in Chicago. And so I'm like, why are you doing this in L.A.? And I'm looking at all the, the you know, the, the, the fans who are out there. And I'm like, OK, do they really know the history of Larry Hoover. They really know the history of what was happening in Chicago during this time. Um, and I would have liked to, to see more of, uh, you know, the name of Larry Hoover put out there um, to, to, to basically say, OK, this is who he was. This is what he meant to Chicago. Um, you know, he did this thing called the 21st Century Vote to get uh, people registered to vote. He did a thing called Save, Save the Children uh, to advocate for education reform in Chicago. So I wish that would have been put out more if you were going to, like, use his name uh, more so than just merchandise, but actually talk about some of the good that he did so that people can say, okay, they can't just walk away from the concert and, and, and you have a good feeling because of the show, but were you really, did you really use this moment to educate and teach? And I thought they kind of dropped the ball when it came to that. Justin, let me change the topic a little bit. There have been conflicting reports about the merchandise from the concert, whether it's going to go to charity or not. What are your thoughts on that topic? And does that matter to Larry Hoover? Well, I think, you know, if we want to take this to a much broader level, I mean, you know, community organizing and protests and, you know, having these large movements that accompany these legal types of fights, messaging always matters, right? We saw that with the George Floyd protests. There was a conversation, a discourse being had, is this going to help George Floyd's family? Is this going to help uh, the uh, ensuing trial that came from that with Derek Chauvin? Um, so these conversations are always going to be had when the public takes a great interest in a particular case. So yes, whatever messaging that's coming out, if it's harmful or if it's positive, it's gonna have a direct effect on Larry, I, I, I'm sure, because this is always the case when you have these types of public interest issues and there's some legal wrangling involved with it. Um, but from what I've seen, the most recent statement is that the merch, merchandise sales will, a portion of that will go to charity. So I think that's an issue that's been put to bed also. Yeah, no, I, I think it's good that, that you know, the money will go to to these uh, these organizations, um, but my thing is, I think I think we miss a moment because you know you it's it's one thing to to have the merchandise and and to say the name, but to have Drake and, and Kanye to actually tell the story. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about. Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Worry. I think that would have been more impactful than just, you know, the merchandise or just saying, okay, you know, yes, this money is going to go to these organizations. There's still some people who may not really understand what it means. They may not understand what the organization stands for. So I think, you know, when it comes to hip hop, hip hop is all about expression and all about 
telling a story and all about relaying information. They're like, they're like a, you know, journalists in a sense where they're really telling the community what it was, what's going on. And so I think you have to, you have to express yourself. If these, if the, if the money is going to these charities, let us know what these charities are. Let, let us know what these charities represent because the average person won't take time to do the research. We have to really use these moments to really say what we have to say. And I, I don't think they did a, a, a good job of actually saying what this was going to what this what was going to happen. I, it's good that the money is going to these organizations. It's going to help a lot of people. But I think you could have said that within that within the concert to really let people know that this is what we stand for and this is what this is where the money is going. So. I think they didn't really do a good job of that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with them. We have to leverage these high-impact moments, right? I mean, this was an optimal platform for us to get across a lot of messaging, whether it's just for Lair or just for criminal justice reform broadly. But I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that we did have Alice Johnson at the beginning of the concert giving a very impassioned speech about criminal justice reform and Lair. We also got to realize and make sure we hold space for people that actually do the work who are typically on the front lines that are spokespeople for these types of issues. Kanye and Drake, they're not spokespeople for these issues. So they were able to live within themselves and say, look, we're not the appropriate people to talk about such nuanced things, but we're gonna give the mic to somebody else. Now, in regards to the run of show and the other logistics, I'm not quite sure. I wasn't involved integrally, integrally with, the, with the concert, but I think they did make an effort towards having the appropriate people talk about those issues and they allow Drake and Kanye to do what they do, which is entertain. Justin, I want to wrap up this conversation with you. In the end, do you foresee your client's future impacted by the benefit concert? And if so, how? Well, obviously, I hope there's a positive impact. I mean, there's nothing more than I want than for Larry Hoover to be free. You know, I've been working on this case for four, almost five years, and we've had a hard time getting people to get behind it. Right? This isn't the first time we've tried to get a movement coalesced behind them, but you know, it's fallen on deaf ears. Finally, we've struck a chord. So I think this will be a positive for Mr. Hoover. And I think that uh, hopefully in the next few months, uh, we'll be able to see the fruits of our labor here. Thank you so much for that insight and for contributing to this conversation. Straight ahead, a look back at the biggest stories of 2021 that made the year so memorable. But first, food prices are at their highest in a decade as we head into the holidays. How food disparities impact healthy options in the Black community, we discuss it all when Revolt Black News Weekly returns. I decided not to raise my prices and I increased um, the, the, my raises for my employees, but I did it because I wanted vegan food to still be accessible to people. So if I raise my prices, then I'm not making it affordable to the average person that I'm trying to attract. So will it probably hurt me as a business owner? Probably. But then I think about economies of scale. The more locations that I open, if I'm able to provide uh, more access to this kind of food, then I will make the money and I'll get it on the back end and I'm okay with that. That was Pinky Cole, the CEO and founder of Slutty Vegan ATL. She's addressing why she chose not to raise her prices during the alarming food shortage currently sweeping the nation. Welcome back. As we head into the holidays, food inflation is spiking up prices at restaurants and grocery stores, impacting affordability at supermarkets and restaurants as well, affecting if some families can make ends meet. Nicholas Bertram, the president of the supermarket, The Giant Company, says, 
food prices are at its highest level in a decade. And just two weeks ago, leaders of Walmart, Kroger, CVS, and other major retailers met with President Joe Biden to address the price surge. On Revolt Black News Weekly, we want to know how this specifically impacts the black communities and how the changing landscape of food deserts has already been impacting access to healthy food options and affordability. Joining us is the spokesperson of the Republican National Committee and Director of Black Media Affairs, Paris Denard, dietitian Jessica Handy, and Professor of Entomology and African American Studies at the University of Illinois, Esther Goomby. Paris, let's start with you. When it comes to this meeting that retailers had with President Joe Biden, um, specifically, you know, did it provide a pathway for more food in densely populated uh, Black communities? Well, I don't think so. I think that when you look at the fact that uh, food inflation has been uh, a, a specific issue for uh, the Black community for several months now, and now the administration is changing its tune, saying that uh, inflation is not transitory or temporary, that it's something that is going to go well into the new year. I think a lot of Black families are very concerned, single mothers especially, are very concerned at the price that they are paying for uh, everyday grocery items because everything is so much more expensive. So I don't think this meeting uh, did anything to change the fact that food inflation, uh, amongst all other types of inflation, uh, is here for, for, uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, Professor Goombi, I want to bring you into this conversation. Why is access to healthy food options hard? Um, and why has it been hard for a long time? Because this seems to be a conversation we've been having for decades. First and foremost, I think there's been a long history of uh, marginalization, first in the policies, and all of this has continued to uh, exacerbate uh, or widen this existing uh, food desert issues. And then now uh, with the pandemic, this has only further uh, magnified and amplified these challenges that we already knew. and mostly because of policies, uh, discriminatory policies that have continued to be passed and uh, as a result, uh, really pushing uh, communities of color into poverty and uh, again, uh, lacking access to uh, fresh uh, food, uh, grocery stores and all of that. Jessica, let me bring you in on this conversation. You're a dietitian. Let's really explore food deserts, right? It's defined as an area where low-income communities that have little to no access to supermarkets or large grocery stores. According to the USDA study in 2019, 96% of food deserts were in urban areas. So let's connect the data that we're talking about right now to specific geographic locations. Why are food deserts prominent in majority Black communities? I mean, we really have to look at, is it the, ask the question, is it by design? You know, these are communities that are, you know, predominantly black and brown communities. Is it that way by design? Is it a way in which there's a you know reason where they're trying to keep our communities down to increase the food disparities, the health disparities that exist? Can I ask a quick follow-up question to that? When you say, is it by design, who's the villain? You know, who's causing this problem? It's our greater, bigger systems. It's, I would say, you know, big, big um, corporations. I just think we have to look at the different sources that are not requiring all communities to have access to healthy food. 
Um, we all deserve access to healthy food. And why do we have vacant lots? Why do we have in, in more of our black and brown communities, more liquor stores? We should have policy in place in order to make sure that all of our communities have access to the best quality food. And, and we certainly can make a difference by policy change and making these, um, like basically mandating it. Uh, Professor Goombi, how can we really humanize this so we can go beyond the lens of talking about prices and really focus on people? First of all, if you have a voice, speak. speak. Speak about the issues. When we uh, humanize these stories, we bring them to the front line. And then I think uh, people have you know, access to food is right. So we need to demand that from our elected uh, politicians. We also need to demand that from our administration. And um, so there are many levels with which uh, we have to uh, speak up and to ensure that these inequalities uh, and that people have food. It's Christmas time. It's holiday time. It's family time. People don't want, need to be worrying about food, but we need to ensure that they have. And then, of course, uh, the food pantries, uh, especially the ones that are in communities that already don't have access to food, need to be restocked. Food banks, and should, uh, especially in the communities of color, need to uh, carry all types of food and more importantly, healthy food. Jessica, my last question on this panel is as we head into the holidays um, and with your expertise of really, you know, examining healthy food options as a dietitian, is there something our viewers can walk away with as we're reporting on this to really rethink what access and resources looks like in communities in need? Something more focused on a solution-based level for all of us. I love this question because I think it is it is about the If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba 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 at participating McDonald's. Solution. We can look at the reality of where, where we are currently, but and the facts, but how do we how do we how do we still make sure that people get access to healthy food during these holiday seasons? And I think, you know, certainly it's a long-term, we need long-term solution. Um, immediate solution would be, you know, looking, I mean, definitely there are regions in the country that, you know, have, you know, drastic winters where they're not growing food, but try to connect with your local food growers as much as possible. Eat seasonal. Um, if you can find foods that are, that are at a lower price point for whatever reason, because maybe there was a surplus, it's okay, freeze those foods. Um, I think that we've got to get creative short term, but long term, we need to localize our food system. We need to turn those vacant lots into food, food gardens, promote more backyard gardeners so that we can localize our foods. I'm, I'm a registered dietitian, but I'm also an urban gardener and an aspiring farmer because we need more black and brown farmers in our communities um, so that we don't have issues. We're not relying solely on our grocery stores in order to have access to healthy foods. And what we put in our body makes a huge difference. And so um, I'm really grateful for this conversation. And I'm grateful for it as well. Jessica Paris and Professor Goombi, we appreciate your time and giving us the time of your day to really dig through this story that's impacting so many communities on a national level. Ahead, the biggest stories of 2021. We run all of them back, the good, the bad, and well, 
we're gonna let you decide on the rest. But up next, Travis Scott breaks his silence on the Astro World tragedy with Charlemagne. Denzel directs a journal for Jordan starring Michael B. Jordan, and we celebrate Megan the Graduate in this week's Revolt Radar when we return. Remembering an entertainment and Memphis hip-hop icon, Young Dolph, fans of the rapper said their goodbyes during the public memorial at the FedEx Forum in his hometown. The late rapper's neighborhood also honored his legacy with a street sign named after him. The 36-year-old artist was shot and killed while in a Memphis bakery just one month ago. Welcome back to Revolt Black News Weekly. I'm Naima Abdullahi sitting in for Ebony K. Williams. It is time to check out what is happening in entertainment. Our special correspondent, Kennedy Rue McCullough, is in Hollywood with more. Hey, Kennedy. Hey, Naima. We've got a full plate from Megan Thee Stallion to Pharrell reaching for higher education. But first, Denzel Washington and Michael B. Jordan take over the Big Apple in the Revolt Radar. It's a holiday film. It's about love, relationship, sacrifice. You know, I think it uh, it checks all the boxes, you know, with this beautiful story. What's this? It's a journal, so you can write to your son. What do I write? Tell him who you are, what you believe in. Just in time for Christmas, a journal for Jordan will tug at your heartstrings and remind us just how precious life can be. Michael B. Jordan stars as a soldier who was killed in action in Baghdad. Leading up to that, he writes a journal for his son intended to tell him how to live a decent life despite growing up without a father. Always be courageous in everything you do, but never be afraid to cry. Oscar winner Denzel Washington directed the drama and was also a major source of inspiration for his leading man, Jordan, who's also become a power player behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, he's directing now and producing movies, and, and I just hope he hires me one day. Huh? He returns the favor. Man, he's full of knowledge and wisdom, so it's something that I, I, was, I was very appreciative to be a part of. I'm so proud to be a part of a movement. Shout out to Jordan Peele and his groundbreaking film, Get Out, which has earned yet another accolade. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? The horror movie was ranked number one on the list of 101 greatest screenplays of the 21st century so far, issued by the Writers Guild of America West. Get out! Go! All right, I'm gonna bring in our entertainment panel to break down some other things on the radar. Bossip Deputy Editor Danny Canada and best-selling author Ray Cunningham. Hello. Welcome guys, thank you for being here. Let's begin with Travis Scott and his conversation with Charlemagne the God. How have you been coping with the aftermath of everything? I've been just in a room for a while, you know, a lot of thoughts. Were you surprised that he was willing to talk so openly and reflect on the Astroworld tragedy? I honestly expected him to be emotional because his whole livelihood is being put on the line here. Basically, he's being threatened to be canceled right now. And I'm just going to say this for those of us who've curated events as talent and on the other side. Talent is at the bottom of the list of people who get involved in those kind of crisis management things that are happening in real time at an event. There's 
there's a, there are teams involved. There's crisis management, there's security, there's publicists, there's marketing, there's a logistics team. There's a bunch of people in place that are supposed to handle this before it even gets to Travis Scott. For sure, for sure. Totally agree with that. And I think there are people who say that is why he did this interview with Charlemagne the God, kind of to get some of the heat off himself and trying to shift the blame a little bit. Now, for me, I am no Kim Kardashian who just passed the baby bar, but <laughs> his lawyer, I would advise him probably just keep quiet for a little bit. Let me handle it behind the scenes because I just think this is adding more fuel to people's fire. Are you surprised that he's talking amidst the lawsuits in which both he and Drake are actually named? Yes. I am definitely surprised he's speaking out. There's just so much at stake here. People are looking at him with a fine-tooth comb and finding something to be able to say, see, I, I knew it. He admitted it right there. So there's probably some lawyer who's probably watching that, like, taking notes, like, well, he said at the 1015 mark that this happens. So mm -hmm. It's just tricky right now for him. As my grandma said, you need to learn to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> just stop talking. Well, I want to switch gears and move on to hip-hop and higher education. Megan Thee Stallion, the queen of hip-hop feminism, is now a college graduate, an HBCU graduate, collecting her Bachelor of Science in Health Admin from Texas Southern University. So let's talk about the message she's sending to her followers. What do you think this means for people seeing Meg graduate? Great. I think it's a great thing um, as a fellow HBCU graduate of Virginia State University. All of us are HBCU family. Yes. Um, I'm currently in grad school right now online, taking classes amidst of doing all this fabulous work I'm doing in the entertainment industry. And it's not easy. So I can only imagine with what little bit of work I'm doing compared to her being on world tours, performances, rehearsals, video shoots, proto promo and everything else that goes into the machine of Meg Thee Stallion. I don't care what a GPA is, 2.0, 2.7, because guess what? This this 4.0 GPA and that 2.7 GPA got the same diploma with the same signatures on it, okay? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I, I think she is sending a message of just, you can do it. If she can do it, anybody can do it. Like you yeah. said, she's, she's on world tour. She's traveling the world. She's doing sold out shows. How does she find time to study anyway? How does she find time to log on to Blackboard and turn in her assignments? I need mean, Megan. Blackboard don't even work half the time. She needs to release <laughs> a study sessions class, the Megan Thee Stallion study sessions class, because I would take it. Because when I was in school, I did not have that focus. And I wasn't out here doing concerts and shows. So if she could teach people... She can really make mm -hmm. some money off that because that is commendable. She's she's having a great weekend. She also got the mm -hmm. 18th Congressional District Humanitarian Award in Houston. So yes. shout out to her. I'm so proud of her. I feel like I know her at this point. I'm like, she's like our cousin, like our little cousin, and we just excited for her. Exactly. I want to text really her like, like, girl, you're doing a good job, but I can't. Because yeah. <laughs> it's not often we see too many of our peers or social media influencers or entertainers that are college, um, they went to college at all. Yeah. I mean, I think right. that just sends a, a great message to the new generation. Exactly. You know, for us, it was a different world. For these young kids, my nieces and our nieces and nephews, is Meg Thee Stallion, so I'm glad. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. um, let's flip over to Norfolk State and Professor Farrell, empowering the grads as he lands an honorary degree. Okay, are we in a movement for education on the heels of social justice, or what do you guys think is going on here? Who better? to represent Norfolk State than Pharrell. You know, he is truly a native son of Virginia. Now, I went to Hampton University, so I definitely know all about Norfolk State and our Battle of the Bay that we have, but I know 
despite that alleged rivalry, how big a deal that was. And it was so exciting to see him not only up there on that stage, but move the tears when he became a member, an honorary member of the Spartan Legion marching band. I thought that was so exciting to see because not only is he shining a spotlight on HBCUs, but that important HBCU band culture. I want to um, switch gears a little bit. Speaking of justice, um, we all know that Jesse Smollett was found guilty of five of the six counts in his hate crime hoax trial, now appealing his conviction. What do you all think? Do you think it's time to give it up or fight the good fight? Do you want my own? Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Absolutely. <laughs> all the As time. As a black gay man, Jesse tried, Jesse tried it. That's all I was... Uh, the <laughs> nicest way I can say this on television is Jesse tried it. Mm. I've read every headline from start to finish. And I remember when I was laying in bed, when it was breaking news the first time, I was like, don't nobody believe this. Who, who made this story <laughs> up for this child? All the best to him and his attorney with this appeal. Um, it's not looking good. You know, the jurors said they thought they were doing him a favor by um, finding him guilty on what, five out of the six hate crime charges. I mean, I don't mm. know how many more alleged favors he's going to get working on this. So it's just like, you know, it's, it's just gotten to be so messy. Danny and Ray, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts in our discussion. All right, coming up next, our look back at the discussion of those global stories that caught our attention. Ma gourmet contre un système qui sentit, ma gourmet contre un système qui compris, ma gourmet contre mon qui pire choc mais les pays à côté lié aujourd'hui à là. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Naima Abdullahi, in for Ebony K. Williams. We are turning our attention to the global stories that we've been following this year, and we're exploring the ongoing revolutions in the African and Caribbean diaspora. Joining us with some insight are some familiar faces to the Revolt Black News Weekly family, including a major force in the Tigray genocide movement and media personality Sue Solo, and Wenda Tima, the founder of the Haitian-inspired Linyon Suite Media Group, Welcome to the show, guys. First off, Wenda, I want to start the conversation with you um, by asking about uh, Haiti after the country's recent earthquake. How are things going there right now as far as the people on the ground? Yeah, so we are still working in the South. So a lot of people, um, you know, did not realize that the earthquake happened in the South. So it's really the South that was affected. And some of the other departments were kind of went back um, to work and so on as usual. And so there's still a lot of work being done. There's still a lot of different organizations on the ground. They send us like either weekly or monthly updates on what's been happening and who still needs help and what areas like they still need um, help in. So they're, people definitely have not left. So even though you're not seeing much of it on national you know, news, Patients are there. The organizations are still there. We're still in communication with the people on the ground to make sure, like, we're getting updates on what's being done. Not a lot, you know, has been done, which, you know, is not surprising for us because um, it hasn't really been that much time. As much as people think it has, it hasn't, um, especially when you're talking about structural, a lot of structural damages. But people are still on the ground. They're still dealing with a lot of other things. So we're hearing more of these other stories versus, like, what's being done as far as reconstruction and so on. But 
they are still working. What also surfaced in the headlines were reports about the growing power of gangs in Haiti in the midst of the crisis and everything you just mentioned, you know, from kidnapped missionaries to people held hostage. What was the world's response and what response was needed when that first started to surface? I mean, the world's response when you're talking about natural disaster for us is always a lot of people sending prayers for Haiti, a lot of the diaspora wanting to help. We can always count, you know, on our sisters and brothers, you know, reaching out and trying to fund from fundraising to getting on planes and being on the ground and doing, you know, whatever they can do to help. We, you know, we expect that whenever you hear stories from Haiti and we're so grateful that continues to be the case. But with this also, it brought a lot of light to Haiti of a lot of things that you don't always see in national news about the kidnappings, like the, the um, missionaries being kidnapped became a large story. But for us, people have been getting kidnapped for years. Haitians have been held at ransom, diasporas, people on vacation. As we reflect on 2021 um, and the impact this year has had on the nation, what are the biggest headlines to come out of the country this year from your perspective? <laughs> the first that everyone's gonna think about, of course, is the assassination of Haitian President Jovenel Moïse. Um, that was the top, you know, um, trending topic for a very long time. And, you know, the fact that a president was assassinated at home, in his home, uh, with the first lady there and, and his family at home, like that was the number one story you heard of. But we've unfortunately have had to deal with back-to-back, -back, you know, trending topics that even now preparing to come here and join you guys today, I've been dealing with the fire that happened yesterday in the city of Cape Haitian, which they, you know, um, Haitians call Okap, which is in the north, with so far right now, the update is 66 people died from this um, tanker truck explosion yesterday, and we're right back in these group chats and everything else and reaching out to our families in Haiti, trying to find out how to get help down there now, because you have a lot of people that's been, you know, that passed away. There's a lot of victims in the hospital. The hospital doesn't have enough. So for us, it's been, you know, there's even though the president was the one that, you know, people are going to remember the most for Haitians, every single one of these stories have been like top stories for us because we have not had a break. Let's kind of shift the attention to another important part of the diaspora, Susolo. We've spoken about Ethiopia over the years and, you know, just how passionate you are about what is happening there and shining a light on it. What would you say was the biggest story to come out of the African continent this year? Um, and what are your hopes for 2022? Um, I can only really speak from a personal perspective, being Tigrayan from the northern region of Ethiopia. For me, the biggest headline is a Nobel Peace Prize winner is uh, committing genocide on his own people. That if, if, it, if that ain't big, I just don't know what is. I remember when we talked in October um, here on Revolt Black News Weekly with you, you really sh shared um, a heartfelt um, message. Um, and really making a statement that you really haven't been able to speak with your mother as frequently as you'd like, and you've gone for months without hearing from her. What's her status right now? How is she? Because we want to make sure that we um, that you update our audience because it really showed the story on a very human level for people who didn't emotionally connect with the story before. Unfortunately, I do not know if my mother is dead or alive. I don't know if she's hungry. I don't know if she has shelter. I don't even know if she's in control of her body. There have been so many reports of rape, murder, torture, starvation. Um, she could literally be one of those people who is dealing with that. And I'm not the only person. 
there are millions of us in the diaspora who do not know where our families are. There has been a telecommunications blackout since November of 2020. So not only are people suffering from a man-made famine and no resources, no humanitarian aid, but there's also no way to call for help. You can't text, you can't email, WhatsApp doesn't work, nothing works. There's no access to your bank accounts. People are terrified to leave their homes for simply being from Tigray. We're praying for Haiti, we're praying for Ethiopia, we're praying for the greater diaspora who's going through unrest and struggle, um, and we're hoping for the best. Thank you for taking the time to look back at 2021 on a global scale. And coming up, more reflections of the big headlines that made the Revolt Black News Weekly list. That's up next. Simmons, known to the world by his stage name DMX, could widely be considered one of the most successful rappers of all time. Welcome back. I'm guest host Naima Abdullahi in for Ebony K. Williams. Before we leave, we wanted to take a look back at the big Revolt Black News Weekly headlines that left a lasting imprint on 2021, a year that still saw the country in the grips of the COVID-19 pandemic. The year began with the shocking headline, the insurrection inside the Capitol on January 6, 2021. It caught the world's attention. Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman's heroic efforts to steer the violent mob away from lawmakers made national news. earned the Congressional Gold Medal. Just days following, another milestone. Please raise your right hand and repeat after me. A wave of change as Kamala Harris became the first African-American and Asian-American woman to be sworn in as Vice President of the United States. The duties of the office on which I am about to enter. The duties of the office upon which I am about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. 2021 was also a year of continued social justice, one year following the death of George Floyd. (laughs) April of 2021, Dante Wright is seen on tape allegedly shot and killed by former police officer Kimberly Potter during a traffic stop. She now stands trial in his murder. All eyes are on Minneapolis, a city still dealing with racial tension. The above entitled matter is to count three, second degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. An unreasonable risk. Find the defendant guilty. 2021 was also a year where calls for justice for George Floyd were delivered. In June, former police officer Derek Chauvin was criminally prosecuted and found guilty in Floyd's 2020 death. One of the greatest honors I will have had as president, not because I did it, you did it. Democrats and Republicans. That same month, the Senate and House passed a bill which President Biden signed, the Juneteenth National Independence Day Act, making June 19th a public holiday. 
The importance of the day commemorates our freedom, as in the anniversary of when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to ensure that all enslaved people be freed. DMX has died at the age of 50. We were shaken at the death of Earl Simmons, globally known as DMX, one of the most successful rappers of all time. Renee Montgomery, welcome to Love and Respect. I'm so happy to have you. (laughs) I'm so impressed by you as a player and transitioning to an owner. A victory for Renee Montgomery, who became the first former player to become co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. She opened up to Killer Mike on Revolt's Love and Respect about taking on the WNBA team as the league marked its 25th season. I can't take ownership of being an owner of the dream without mentioning my team because they're the ones that even as I started telling my parents and my family and they're like girl yes do it and I'm like everybody sees me like this is not a big deal like everybody was like confirmed and felt strong about like yes do it you can do it As the year began to wind down, all eyes were on Georgia for one of the biggest racially charged cases this year. The three white men were found guilty in the murder of Ahmad Arbery, the 25-year-old black man who was shot while out on a run. It was closure for a family seeking justice. I embrace imperfection as much as I embrace the pursuit of perfection. It was also a year of celebration for one of fashion's visionaries, Virgil Abloh. He was remembered during the Louis Vuitton Men's Spring Summer 2022 show titled Virgil Was Here. It happened in Miami in early December. Abloh died at the age of 41 after a two-year battle with a rare form of cancer. And what a year indeed. That does it for us. I'm Naima Abdullahi for Revolt Black News Weekly and the revolution that continues to shake the foundation of pop culture. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. about what makes your heart beat a little faster oh you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you yeah or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about well get ready to feel that excitement all over again because amazon prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level absolutely prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker it's about diving into a world of endless possibilities from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else 
and don't even get me started on the music, Pam offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before.